Promo Kitchen is an all-volunteer, nonprofit organization committed to the advancement of the promotional products industry through education and mentorship. If you want to get more involved, please visit us on the web at promokitchen.org. One of the ways you can get involved is by donating to our cause. We rely on our community for financial support to help cover the cost of producing our educational content and our networking mixers. You can donate today right from your phone at promokitchen.org slash donate. Thank you so much, and let's get started with the show. This episode of the Promo Kitchen podcast has been brought to you by our friends at Sanmar. Sanmar believes in the power of promotional products. Since 1971, this family-owned apparel supplier has been dedicated to passionately serving customers through trusted brands like Port Authority, Port & Company, Nike Golf, OGO, District, and Sport Tech. You can check them out online at sanmar.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. We are a community-inspired conversation featuring boundary pushers, rabble-rousers, freaks, and geeks who are shaking up the $20 billion promotional products industry. My name is Mark Graham, co-founder of Common Skew, and I'm delighted to welcome Ted Church and Anna Sork of Anthem Branding to the podcast today. Anthem is a fiercely unique promotional agency based in Boulder, Colorado. Leading and differentiating their company through graphic and product design, Anthem has carved out a profitable niche within a busy promotional products industry filled with many look-alike distributors. While Anthem has a robust promotional products business, every client engagement starts with design, and it's this practice that we want to explore today in our podcast. Ted Church launched Anthem out of a one-room studio 12 years ago and has since grown it into an eight-figure distributor today. Anna Sork is Anthem's marketing manager, where she crafts the brand in the marketplace and leverages the firm's unique position to attract multiple inbound sales opportunities. So with that, let's get into it. Ted and Anna, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here with us today. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So Ted, why don't you tell us how the company got its start? Well, my background from college, but 25 years ago, was getting into the promotional products game sort of in a traditional distributorship fashion. I worked for a company that I eventually became a partner in doing basic promotional items, apparel, and you know that standard sort of transactional based promotional products distributor. We worked together for 13 years and then just had a different vision of what we wanted to do with the business and within the industry. I wanted to take more of a design-driven agency approach to promotional products and apparel. And you know, long story short, my old partner and I sort of agreed to disagree and took different paths. And so I started Anthem out of my art studio off my garage, as you mentioned, in 2006 and have grown a pretty significant agency since with this concept and this idea of building a best-in-class agency that takes design-driven thinking and applies it to custom merchandise, unique promotional products, and retail packaging and branding. And so when you were working at that more traditional distributor, as you'd mentioned, for the first 12 years of your career, 
Were you selling design-oriented programs or were you selling more traditional, like out of a catalog, promotional items at the time? Definitely more traditional catalog-based approach where that was really sort of the offering was what could we get via the standard suppliers. And so it was pretty traditional in that approach. But what I found was that as I went after the types of clients and industries that resonated with me, whether it was action sports or entertainment industry, coming at them with a traditional offering of here's a catalog, what do you want? I can slap your logo on anything really proved to be a race to the bottom. And everyone's response is always, well, I already have a person that does that for me. And and it was really challenging to get in there. What I realized is I had to come up with some nimble thinking and some unique approach and some things that offer a solution that was more relevant and retail-based in things that you know these forward-thinking clients were interested in. They weren't interested in the same old promotional product that everybody else had. So that's really what led to the birth and the eventual forming of Anthem Branding and the approach we take. And so tell me, I mean, maybe from a high level, Ted, as to how it is that you were able to build the infrastructure for Anthem. And the reason I ask that question is that you could argue that a typical promotional products distributor may come to an ASI show or the PPAI Expo, both great industry forums, where they will find, for the most part, traditional promotional product suppliers that they will go and align themselves with for maybe more traditional promotional product sales. I have to be careful when I say that. It's a very, very general, wide sweeping comment that I just made there. But in your case, you've partnered with, I think, many vendors that are outside the regular supply chain. And so I'm just curious as to how it is that you were able to build up this infrastructure, this, this supply base, this expertise, this domain expertise to go and sell to this very finicky client base that you sell to today? Yeah. I mean, certainly Rome wasn't built in a day and there was a lot of hard work and travel and and a lot of meetings involved with finding outside of the industry and outside of the box sort of solutions. I think one of the challenges with the traditional model is that too many distributors don't have, maybe they don't have a creative sort of vision on what could possibly be done because it's extra work than just picking something out of a catalog that meets a price point. You also tend to rely pretty heavily on the creative solution from the supplier. And obviously everything they're going to suggest is going to fit in their wheelhouse and their product offering. So you're a little bit limited with what you get back. So what we did is we took the design-driven agency approach. We have 14 designers full-time on our team that can design in any aesthetic. We then look at and we're influenced by what's happening in retail and what's happening in different industries, what's trending and what's popular based on the specific persona or target audience. And then we go find solutions. I mean, there's certainly, I've had many a day where I've stepped off a plane in China and gone and figured it out and worked with factories that can help us deliver on some of these ideas that we come up with. And so that's where we've gone outside of the industry to figure it out. Right. So switch over to you, Anna. So you're the marketing manager for the company. Can you tell me what a typical day looks like for you as marketing manager? It changes every day, actually. (laughs) Is that Ted's fault? No, it's the way of the rules. I'm sure I have something to do with it. (laughs) But a lot of my time is spent looking at different problems our clients face and how we can provide solutions, whether it's 
what's trending in their target demographic, what we're seeing that works, and I'm writing content around that so we can attract like clients and become a partner for them. Right. When did you start at Anthem? I started in January of this year. Got it. And was there a marketing manager role before you started in January, or are you the first marketing manager for the company? I'm the first. <laughs> Ted, this is maybe more back at you. Sure. Was the role that Anna started playing in January, was that effectively done by you before Anna started? No, I would say we built this business on repeat and referral and word of mouth. Right. The whole concept was do a great job for each individual client. They're going to become evangelists for us. And what we realized was what got us to this point is not going to get us to the next level because we do an amazing job for our current clients and this culture that we've built for our team and the current culture. The challenge is there's only a handful of us that are getting in front of clients every day and selling the vision of the approach that we take to the industry. And inevitably, every time we meet with someone, the reaction is, where have you been? Right. This is amazing. This is exactly what I want that I'm not getting from my other vendors. Yeah. And we take that partnership approach. And that led us to say, hey, we really do need to have a more focused, targeted marketing effort. And right. Anna and I connected and we created the position. Right. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously you grew to this, you know, as I said in the introduction, an eight-figure distributorship by doing fantastic work and having a really unique brand in the marketplace. But as you say, if you want to kind of go from X to 2X or 3X, it often requires this sort of independent marketing discipline that is focused on either content or, you know, inbound sales opportunities. And that leads me to a question for you, Anna, that, I mean, outside of content, what marketing tools do you use to drive inbound sales opportunities and leads for Ted and his sales team? We do a lot of social and finding different forums and where our potential clients would be. It's kind of hard because we really can work with anyone. <laughs> so right. finding those clients that are looking for those unique promotional products that they can't find elsewhere. Right. I've mentioned this before that I've been on the other side. So it's interesting because it's hard when you're searching online to find that unique custom partnership and you can't really type that into a search box. So yeah, <laughs> most of my day is spent trying to find different ways to get in front of the right audience and let them know how we bring that to the table. Right. And Mark, you know, that content that's getting pushed out through different social channels is really solving it's educating potential, you know, our potential target audience, but really in a way that's just educating them that supports them to do their jobs better. Right. Which, you know, obviously paints us in, in the light of being an expert and then they reach out to, to contact us. Right. So I'm trying to focus in on an example. So I know that you have been successful in posting to Medium, for example, and that's you know obviously a platform that many forward-thinking, progressive types of folks read, many of whom are end clients and that are in the need for cool promotional items. Has that been a successful channel for you? And if so, can you unpack that a little bit? So we do post on Medium, but we're finding that LinkedIn is really our sweet spot okay. because there are a ton of professionals looking for advice and how they can improve their workplace or their marketing efforts and people who are like-minded on that platform. So I think right. LinkedIn is probably our best. 
as well as marketing-focused forums or different role-specific forums where people are searching for their industry, for that specific need. And so we do publish on Medium, but it's not as segmented and targeted as we'd like, as we're finding on other platforms. Right. Yeah, and Mark, I would just add to that, that there is no one solution or one spot that is the silver bullet. I think it's really important, especially in this day and age, that you need to find the specific sort of target you're going after, find out where they hang out, where they get their information, where they consume their content and where their influencers are. And that's where you go with the information. So that can be completely different for a hip hop artist versus someone working in the tech space in San Francisco versus somebody running a lifestyle brand. Right, right. No, I think that's an excellent point. And you know, LinkedIn may be perfect for certain types of verticals that you go after. But as you say, someone, you know, using the example of a hip hop artist, they may not necessarily be turning to LinkedIn as much as they may be turning to Instagram or maybe even more like niche social platforms where they connect them with their tribe. So totally get that. So Ted, you mentioned at the beginning that you started off, like you mentioned action sports was a, a passion of yours and that you had success selling into the action sports industry. But then you also mentioned that you're happy to sell to clients in really any industry, provided that they've got this commonality of appreciating design and wanting to have unique promotional items to help tell their brand story. Have you run into any trouble with that approach in terms of dealing across all sorts of industries and potentially not establishing domain knowledge in any one particular channel? Or does that matter? We haven't run into too much of that. It depends on who you're talking to, what they're up against, and what their challenges are. Some people just don't have the vision of, or they don't even care about sort of translating the ethos of their brand onto an item in a thoughtful way. They're all about maybe the lowest price because they just need to hand something out. Right. And if that's the case, it's probably not the right fit for us. That's the beauty of this industry is there's a niche for everybody and there's a client for everyone. So I would say we have to do some educating, certainly to some clients on why it's important to think about that. But I think at this point, the industry's pretty evolved and it's been around long enough and everybody's had experience with a promotional item or product that I think most people are like, ah, this is different. This is what I want. Yeah. And that's where I think we play best. And you certainly know it right away when we speak to somebody, if it's about price or quality. Yeah. It sounds to me that what you're really talking about is you're selling to a particular mindset as opposed to a particular industry. And it's something that you know I've certainly had some experience with on the right sleeve side of my background and just understanding that you may, like you may do really well in let's say action sports, given your example. Mm-hmm. And yet you may have a customer in the action sports business where you've got a lot of contacts and a lot of domain expertise and you've done some great work for some great clients, but you've got this one particular client in the action sports industry that is totally focused on price, could care less about design, could care less about your unique value proposition. And that's when the alarm bells go off and you go, well, hang on a second here. Like I'm dealing with this bank in another industry and my client is completely open-minded, loves design, loves the anthem story. And who do you want to deal with? You want to deal with the guy in the bank because his or her mindset is completely aligned with that of your value proposition. So you absolutely nailed it. Those two examples, I, without naming names, have had that exact experience with in the action sports industry, where some action sports clients they only want to do quality and they're willing to pay the extra amount of money for it. 
and others just care about the race to the bottom price. Yep. And we've had the exact same experience with banks. So yeah, it's interesting. I mean, hey, maybe a bank that is looking to differentiate itself and try to appeal to a different customer segment. And actually, I think that's a great segue into Anna understanding your background before you joined Anthem. Can you tell me a little bit about what you were doing before you came into the promotional industry? Yeah. So I, for the past, let's say three years, I was working at a tech startup in Irvine, California in the construction space. I started as the executive assistant to the CEO. And in that role, I was tasked with ordering merchandise for the company. Yep. And then I moved over into the marketing role there. I mean, that was a big part of my job, though it wasn't my main focus. I was doing digital and inbound marketing for the company as well. Right, right. So it's interesting, as I mentioned, being on this other side because it was part of my role and now I'm seeing it from a different perspective. And what Anthem brings to our clients is what I was looking for during that time. (laughs) And is it fair to say that you were not able to find that when you were tasked? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) I mean, it's hard because you Google search terms and it's just catalog after catalog and that wasn't what I was looking for but I didn't know necessarily how to search for what I was looking for. So now being on this end, a lot of our content is more about the quality of our merchandise or the ethos of your brand and using words that really resonate with people who are looking for that versus promotional products, giveaways, you know, race to the bottom type stuff. So we can qualify them that way. I want to kind of dig into that because I I just find that really fascinating to kind of get into the mind and perspective of someone who is on the other side looking to buy promotional items. So I've got a couple questions for you. So presumably the work that you're doing right now at Anthem in terms of content and blogging and engaging all these different social platforms Mm -hmm. would lead an Anna Sork from three years ago to find Anthem if you were Googling. Is that a fair question? Definitely. That's my mindset when I am writing a lot of these blog posts and social posts. I'm speaking to myself. So I know, I mean, I'd like to say that I know what will resonate with people. Right. Of course, it's maybe my biased opinion, but we are finding that people are in that same situation. They don't know how to find us. And when they do, they're like, where have you been? But they don't know where necessarily to find us. Right, right. Okay. So let's put yourself back in you know, your job three years ago. You're an executive assistant. Mm-hmm. Your boss comes to you and says, hey, Anna, I'm looking for some promotional items. May give you a very vague spec, but at the end of the day, just says like, we need some cool stuff with our gear. Mm-hmm. Can you A, tell me about what project you were given? Like, <laughs> like what were you tasked with? And then number two, what did you do to go and find products to solve that particular problem that your boss tasked you to solve? So we were in a unique position at that company because it was a startup in a very old school industry in construction. So I was tasked with finding items that we could give away at trade shows and some different sponsorship events coming up. And it was hard because we really valued our culture that we built and wanted that to be expressed in everything that we did, but also to resonate with an older demographic. So I basically went to Google and searched construction giveaways. And I mean, all I found were just tchotchkes of tractor squishies and very basic stuff that really could be applied to any industry. And that didn't really speak to the innovativeness of our company. So I was running in circles, just (laughs) Googling construction stuff 
but also trying to find like a tech young demographic marketing giveaway, but you know, that doesn't really yield many results. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you I'm pretty good at the Google as well. And I'm Googling right now construction giveaways and, you know, I'm in Toronto and I know you guys are in Colorado, so we may have slightly different results, but what I'm seeing here is for Google AdWords for, you got for imprint, you've got mm -hmm. my next promo.ca motivators is on here. And these are all certainly good, reputable promotional companies. Mm -hmm. The squishy toys and stress toys are front and center here, <laughs> which again is awesome if that's what you're looking for. But I can tell you as someone that's had some experience in selling to, you know, some maybe more fashion and, you know, brand conscious segments that none of the websites that I'm looking at here in the first 15 results are anywhere remotely cool or right. brand oriented. Okay. So I'm not disparaging any of these companies because they do excellent work in their particular area. So what did you do at the end of the day? Like, did you buy the pen and the squishy toy or did you go onto Etsy and find something more cool or what, like, how did you solve your problem? Yeah. And because it wasn't my primary role and it actually took up a lot of my time because like you said, all of these sites are offering the same swag that you necessarily don't really want to go with, but at the end of the day, you have to. So I could probably tell you there's, there's probably boxes of those squishies still sitting at that company. Just because I had to order stuff. And then when I moved into the marketing role, I was the one going to the trade shows. And it was so interesting to be on the floor and everyone has the same exact thing. And no one wants it. Right, right, I right. Mean, they want it, people like free stuff. But when you're trying to like really stand out and connect with this audience, at the end of the day, they don't need a stress ball when they're on the construction site. That's not something that resonates with them. So... I had to order it and it was more of a check off of my list because I didn't really know where else to go. Right. At the end of the day, your boss comes to you, says, hey, we need some cool items for our cool <laughs> tech startup company. Anna, you seem with it. Go for it. You know, you're pretty good at doing some web-based research. You get frustrated yeah. and you're like, I've got a thousand other things I need to do. So I will go with the best I can do, which is X. Right. And you check it off your list. It arrives. You're not particularly excited about it. Your boss is like, eh, whatever. Anna did her job. And you know, you move on doing your next thing. And I feel like that whole thing that you just explained is happening across boardrooms mm -hmm. uh, across the world right now. <laughs> right. And therein lies your opportunity, obviously. So yes, absolutely. The challenge on that is it's back to the mindset piece. Part of it is you've got to educate the client, but the client has to be willing to do a little bit extra thought and a little bit extra thinking to want to offer something different. Because it's really easy to just check the box. Yep. Got my promotional items ordered. Right. But it kind of does the brand a disservice. A little bit more yeah. thought, a little bit nicer quality goes so far. Yeah. Well, and it's hard because you search stuff like unique promotional products and you know, you're trying to get unique and authentic and it's still those companies are ranking on those words. So right. though they can buy traffic and say that they're unique, all the ideas, they're all the same on the table. Right, right. And here's the opportunity for you. I mean, if you're showing up in those results, you're going to look a thousand times different than the person who's just optimized for the word authentic or cool. And right. if they're not, then that company will understand it in a second. So Ted, you made an interesting comment about clients that are either in the mindset of already understanding they want cool gear versus the company that 
doesn't know that but needs to be educated and enlightened. How many of your clients at Anthem would you say fall into the they need to be educated and almost convinced that they should be ordering, you know, better quality or cooler stuff that may come in at a higher price point than what they had originally thought when they just came in looking for stress toys? It doesn't actually happen that often because of the approach and the sort of engagement that we take with our clients. We're more of a partner and they literally say, here's our budget. What should we do? And we're curating it for them based on a lot of factors. We're not competing in that space of, hey, I found you because I was searching stress balls. And then we have to educate them. It's like, if you want to waste a lot of money, then you should advertise keyword search on stress balls and pens. <laughs> no, I say that, I, that's tongue in cheek. But the point is, is that's not who we're targeting. And so for us, there isn't a ton of education. I think people see the approach we take and we tell them about how we work, but then it's like, yeah. great, what should I do? Because this is our expertise. The client should yeah. tell you what they want. If a client yeah. is telling us, I want this specific item, then we know it's a race to the bottom. For most of the people who visit our website and land on it, they already know there's a different feeling around it. We don't have a catalog. We don't have categories to just sift through pens and squishies. You know, it's all portfolio and design based and they get that feeling. And so when they're ready to contact us, if it's new business, they already have that different feeling in mind. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's the work of someone who's good in marketing is to be able to create that content, create that website experience create those case studies, create the stories that speak to that customer. And believe me, there's probably a whole host of folks that are maybe executive assistants that work in construction businesses that are Googling construction giveaways right now that are really, really happy with the results they get on Google. And they go and buy the stress toys and that is completely solving their problem. And that's a perfect scenario. Those people going to Anthem likely would say, I don't get these guys, or this looks expensive, or these guys look too fancy for me. Like, I just need a stress toy. I want to order these stress toys at two in the morning in my bathrobe. You know, like (laughs) it's just a totally different customer. And both customers are completely great to sell to. It's just a matter of understanding which one's best aligned for you. Exactly. And I've got a, just a question for you about the online perspective. And we were talking, you know, before the podcast that Ted and I are Gen Xers and you're a millennial and you're like your job that you took in the construction business was I think immediately after school. Is that right? Yes, it was. So that being the case, and I think folks listening to this that are trying to understand the millennial mindset, I think will be really interested in your answer to this question. So there are some people within the industry that struggle with selling to millennials because they perceive millennials to not have any loyalty, to be exclusively focused on buying online because all they want to do is just buy on a social network or buy on Amazon because they grew up that way. And they don't want to speak to someone on the phone. They certainly don't want to speak to someone in person. And so as a result, to this segment of the industry, they find millennials extremely intimidating and frustrating to sell to because they may not be a web-based company, let's say. (laughs) So I'm sort of leading the question here a little bit, but Based on your past answer, it sounded to me like you went to Google to go find construction giveaways, but at the end of the day, the online experience, it looked like completely failed you. And what you were looking for was 
for the kind of handholding, the kind of in-person, non-web-based experience to solve your problems. And yet you're someone who is like right in that like Amazon demographic. So can you comment on that in terms of like either dispelling the myths that millennials all buy on Amazon and that in fact you do want human relationships and you do want to buy from people that are going to add value? Like, can you comment on that? I mean, I'm finding that millennials and my friends and people that I know in that demographic are gravitating towards brands who deliver a more authentic experience. We grew up in a time where, yeah, we're online 24-7, but we have so many different ads and all of this noise in front of us all day that I personally don't like that experience. And I think that's just become something where we're just constantly advertised towards or we're, you know, it's very disruptive. That's not the experience we want with a brand that we're loyal to. And I think that millennials are very loyal to the brands that they find that can provide that authentic experience. And it feels unique for them and personal. And I mean, even brands like Uber, like I'm willing to pay that surcharge because I'm loyal to that brand because they've always given me a great experience. I don't even think to go to Lyft or to a taxi. You know, it's that whole package that they've created for me. Right. And that's how people I think are purchasing too. They're loyal to brands like Superior, different brands in the industry that provide an experience and can add value in a unique way. Right. And that's not necessarily a company that is exclusively selling online, right? Like it's just a brand at the end of the day. And you know, Ted, I'd be interested in your perspective on the following. So I feel like within the promotional industry, maybe just like in regular life, is that you've got certain parts of the promotional products industry that are highly transactional, they're highly commoditized, they're highly adjusted for price and efficiency. And you probably see that on some of the Google results that we just pulled up on the construction giveaways. Like these are sites that are highly optimized for efficiency. Yet you've got this whole other side of the business that is a lot more touchy-feely, is a lot more solutions-oriented where it creates opportunities for companies like Anthem that are able to go and really sit down and solve real problems for the clients. And I kind of feel like you have the same thing in life that like Anna and Ted and me as well, like I'm happy to buy lots of product on Amazon. I think Amazon's a great company. They're very, very efficient, but it's just a transaction to me and it gets to my house, you know, the next day and I'm really happy about that. Yet I also have these, you know, affinities for these companies that have these great authentic experience-based kind of sides to them. And I'm just really interested in this divide between like the transaction side of your life and the experience base of your life. So I don't even sure if that's a question, is it more than just like an observation about what it is that you just said there, Anna? And so what do you think about that? I think It's a nice way to describe the industry and what I see going on in the industry, which is, you know, you've got the sort of traditional distributor who's catalog based and they're really transactionally based and they rely on the suppliers to put the logo on everything and just basically effectively take orders. And there's some customer service to that. But I see there's a need for that in the local relationship sort of game. So if you have a good relationship, yeah, you'd much rather buy from somebody who you can look in the face, you know their story, they treat you well, and you have a human connection with. Then you've got the people that just want to get it done quickly, and the user experience is pretty nice transactionally, like an Amazon experience. You know, There's no human element. It's easy. It's two buttons and done, and that's great. And if I'm the sort of mid-level 
middle of the road distributor is selling transactionally, I'm nervous about an Amazon. Yeah. Because they're going to make that user experience pretty easy. And if it's the same catalog effectively that everybody has access to or a catalog of goods that everybody has access to to slap a logo on it, that's a scary place to be. And that's disrupting daily. I mean, that's happening. Where we're going is custom making almost exclusively everything and still obviously having access to the standard promotional items. But by custom making everything, taking a design-driven approach, you can't fake creative. So we're taking a creative approach to all of these things, which really makes it an amazing experience for a customer that you just aren't going to be able to get on an Amazon because not all of our clients are creative. They have a maybe a vision, but they don't know how to execute that. So we take that vision and we execute it. I think you've got this thing happening in the industry where it's more consolidated quick turn user experience, you know, cheap, you know, the Amazon experience basically. And then you've got a handful of us, there aren't many that are taking a really creative design-driven approach. It's also, in addition to the creative side, we take a very collaborative approach and it's very goal-driven. So like our clients are coming to us with a goal in mind for this campaign and we're helping them achieve those goals by finding the right products for that demographic for that event, for that theme. And that's not something necessarily that a website can provide at all. (laughs) Yeah, I think that Anna, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, like, you know, there's no search bar on your typical e-commerce driven website in the promotional products industry for (laughs) what marketing goal are you looking to accomplish? (laughs) You know, I say that tongue in cheek. And and again, I I don't mean to be disrespectful to the e-commerce vendors that are out there because the products and the customer segments they focus on, they do a really, really good job. It's not the business they're in, I think is what I'm getting at. Yeah. They do an amazing job. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. And Ted, to your point, there's many, many pockets of business that we can all chase in this business. So I'm curious for you to tell me what the typical client experience looks like at Anthem. Can you walk me through the process of when they first approach you for ideas to final project completion? Sure. I mean, I think for us, it's all about if it's a first time engagement, we're explaining to them sort of the agency sort of design driven approach that we take. We talk about what their goals are, what their sort of marketing messages are, who their target audience is. And we help define, you know, if they don't know what that is, we ask a lot of questions around things they're trying to achieve. As Anna had mentioned, the goals, we talk about if they have a budget and an actual quantity need for an audience. If they don't, we sort of help walk them through creating a sort of a budget exercise around that and talk about thought starters. And then really the way that we're set up is we're not traditional in the sense that we have salespeople. We take an account management approach. So we've got you know a senior account manager who really is overseeing the relationship piece of that. And then we've got account managers that handle the day-to-day engagement with a client. And then we've got a full creative team that's led by our creative director. And then we've got several art directors and senior designers and designers. And then we've got a full production and sourcing team. So it really is a team approach. It's not just in a traditional distributorship. It's you've got one point of contact and they seem to be the end all be all. And that's not the approach we take. We certainly have a point of contact to manage everything, but it's a team approach to deliver on what we promise. Right. Where do you see the industry going in the next five or 10 years? Do you see overall growth? Do you see flatlining or do you see shrinkage in our space? 
I don't know about the growing and the shrinking piece. What I am seeing is the traditional distributor getting sort of consolidated and swallowed up by the bigger players that are just sort of owning the back end from the financing and the running the bills and and the business part and having a bunch of, you know, they're going under these bigger umbrellas as salespeople. So I see those big sort of institutions in, in the industry just getting bigger as they gobble up smaller distributors who just frankly don't want to deal with all the other aspects of running a business aside from selling. Right. So I see a lot of that happening. And then I see a couple of forward thinking groups that are rolling up other companies and going into the more custom route. And this is all on the distributor side, not the supplier side. Right. And then I see, you know, Amazon is in the game and I see some companies like that then are going to be more technology-based and transactional from that perspective. But I do see sort of that middle road either sort of going away or being sort of rolled up and swallowed up by the bigger companies, almost bought for their client list, so to speak. Yeah. And I think you see a lot of that, like the traditional M&A deal in the promotional industry. If we're talking specifically about distributors, I think you're right about that, that a lot of smaller distributors are bought for their client lists or they align with a larger you know, entity that buys their company and then ultimately takes care of all their you know, administration and accounting. That part is you know, almost like an affiliate deal. But I agree with you. And I think what's interesting about you know, just the values for distributors, I think that anything that you can do as a distributor that values your business more than just the clients and the sales that you have, then you're building a real business. If you're not, then really what you've built is a job for yourself because you're the person who goes and generates the sales. The sales are undifferentiated and it, you know, just ultimately, I don't think you get nearly as much for your business. Oh, exactly. So what do the next five years look like for you, Ted, at Anthem? Where are you guys going? Are you going to be nine figures then, or will you have sold out or will you be in another industry doing something else? No, I think we keep the same trajectory in which we're growing. We're we're getting more notice from a standpoint of by bringing Anna on board and really putting out quality content and people finding us to be, our content to be really relevant and helpful to doing their jobs and seeing us as thought leaders. It's really been a groundswell of momentum of daily new companies that are sort of the biggest companies on the planet finding us and reaching out and seeing how we could potentially collaborate and engage. Right. So I see us continuing to grow, offering you know amazing solutions for our clients and growing our team and growing our creative solutions that we can provide and just keeping this momentum. We've really spent a lot of time over the last handful of years building an ecosystem internally that can not only scale and handle any type of product and growth, but worked on our culture. And then obviously with Anna coming in and writing you know, really great content on all that we can offer from a solution and a partnership with our clients, just keeping it going. Right. I'm curious, Ted, maybe this is one last question, and then we'll turn it over to you and Anna for the final word. With a model like yours at Anthem, do you feel that you can grow sales without a commensurate increase in headcount? And the reason I ask that is that some people listening to this may be very inspired by the Anthem model and the Anthem story, but yet clearly there is a lot of work that goes into executing these programs. There's a lot of headcount designers, account people, 
production people, so on and so forth. And that obviously comes at a cost. So the question is, could you go to 2x in your sales without a commensurate increase in overhead? Like, where do you get that scale so that when you grow the company that you're putting more pocket, you know, more to the bottom line? As I said earlier in our conversation, what got us here won't get us to the next level. And I think that what I mean by that is being very strategic and targeted in the types of clients that we work with. We can't be all things to all people. We don't want to do that either. Yeah. And not everybody's going to be the right fit working with us. And we really do feel like we could double our revenue and our size without adding much headcount because of the systems we have in place and the process and the approach we take. And the reality is, is that I think most people realize this, that to do a $2,000 project or a $200,000 project or a $2 million project, pretty much the same mechanics. Yeah. So it's all about being strategic with the types of clients that we are engaging with. And we very, very rarely do we just do one project for a client. And when we're doing hundreds and hundreds of projects for clients, we really take a partnership approach. Yeah. And I think that's clearly the smart business around all of this and that you, you know, as you grow, you obviously focus on a great foundation, a great infrastructure that then allows you to be more efficient and then allows you to process more business without having to, you know, add a bunch of additional administration you know, headcount, in particular, the size that you're at right now, you've already got a really nice infrastructure so that you growing sales 50, 100%, more of that should flow down to the bottom line, or at least we hope. Right, right. All right. So last word, we always like to give our guests on this Promo Kitchen podcast the opportunity to give a last word, either something that you feel passionate about that we didn't get an opportunity to discuss, or if you just want to share how people can get in touch with you at a very basic level, then we could do that too. So Anna, how about we start with you? Last word. (laughs) Yeah, you can find us online and on LinkedIn and reach out to us via our blog. Perfect. And a kudos to you for all the great work that you've been doing. If you haven't gone to the Anthem website or the Anthem blog or followed Anthem on social, Anna, you certainly have your hands all over that and done a really great job. Thank you. How about you, Ted? I'd second what Anna said. You can find us at, on any of the social channels at Anthem Branding. Look, we love this industry. It's been really good to us. It's exciting. It's ever evolving. You can make it what you want to make it. The beauty of this industry is that everybody can find a unique niche and excel and work really hard to just provide great service and be solution-oriented to clients. And I think what works for us may not work for other people, but you can always take the best of what people are doing and apply it and learn lessons from it. And I think that's the beauty of this business. And you know, it's fun day to day, it's always different. And, you know, I always look forward to seeing how this industry is going to continue to evolve. And I've been in it now for over two decades. And man, it's definitely an interesting ride. (laughs) Each day is always unique. That's for sure. So (laughs) I can certainly identify with that as well. Anyways, Ted and Anna, thank you so much for lending your expertise to the Promo Kitchen community. I know that we're better because of people like you. So thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.